begin our recording. Um, good evening. Today is Wednesday, July 19th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is a step one chapter more about alcoholism. And our speaker tonight is Michelle P. Thank you, Michelle. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for having me here tonight. I am Michelle P. from Rhode Island, a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. And um, this is my favorite, favorite chapter. Um, and I think it could be titled, if I was going to personalize it, and they say to personalize the big book, it would be entitled more about why I was here for seven years and didn't get recovered. Um, and I won't say more about why I relapsed because I truly didn't have recovery through those seven years. Although I had worked through the steps all the way through, um, started sponsoring a couple of times um, and then would pick up, but there still wasn't, uh, it wasn't, they, I wasn't recovered. And um, just to kind of tell you a little bit about myself, to qualify, um, again, I came into the rooms, actually it'll be um, almost eight years. I worked with so many different sponsors. Um, a lot of you are on, on here right now that you were my sponsors at one time. And I can't believe that I'm about to, God willing, on. July 25th, I will have one year of abstinence. Um, and it actually, I, I didn't expect to kind of get emotional about it, but I just can't believe that it's me. I just can't believe that this is my life. Um, I, I never left for seven years, but I, um, and I came into the rooms knowing I was a compulsive overeater food addict. That was never a question in my mind. And so throughout the seven years when I would pick up and I would say to someone, you know, I talked to a recovered person, you know, I, I don't understand why aren't I getting this? And they would say, you don't have a step one experience. And I was like, that's not true. I came, I came in here knowing that I had a problem. I knew every time I was going to pick up food that I was going to binge. It was never a doubt that I was just going to have one cookie. It was like, nope, I knew I was full-fledged going to binge. So I didn't get it. And it got to the point where when people would start to say that to me, I would be like, because, you know, we're, on, we're in Zoom and stuff where we're not face to face. I'd be on the or I'd be on the phone. I'd be like, I would feel that they were about to say it to me that you don't have a step one. And I'd be like, don't in my mind, I'd be like, don't say it, because if you were in front of me, I'd swear I'd punch you. And I'm not a violent person, but I was like, don't say it. That's not it. Well, that's 100 percent what it was, um, because just uh, like the first paragraph um, and more about alcoholism says, most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think that he's bodily, mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it's not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The, the idea that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. And that was that was my obsession. I didn't I could not admit that I was just I had the same disease as someone who would pick up alcohol or would pick up drugs. I wouldn't I didn't admit that. I was like, yes, I have a problem, but it's not that problem. And what convinced me was the food, um, as I say. So my abstinence date is July 25th of 2022. 
And the reason I know that is because my youngest son's birthday is July 24th. And we had family over for his birthday that night. And I didn't eat the cake because don't you know, I haven't eaten sugar or flour for seven years in front of my family. My family probably should be con- should eat sugar and flour all day long because they saw me who wasn't eating it and I was gaining ra- weight like crazy. So they were like, clearly sugar and flour is not bad for you. Little did they know what I did once everybody went to sleep. Um, and that's where my disease took me. I would I was to the point where I would stay up to two, three in the morning on the couch. My husband, my sons were asleep. I was binge watching TV, usually friends. I'm a big friends fan, eating. Then I would fall asleep and then I would wake up. And then I would repeat, eat, watch TV, fall asleep, wake up, repeat until two, three in the morning. And then I would be like, well, I should go to bed because I have to get up at six to go to work. And so I would get up the next day, hungover, food hungover, sick, bloated, and swear that that day was going to be different. And it wasn't. I would, um, you know, start my work day and swear I was going to be absent. And then I'd be like, I am too tired because of what I did last night. So I'm just going to eat today to get through today. And then tonight I'll go to bed early. I'll get a good night's sleep and tomorrow I'll be absent. So I finally, on July 25th, when I woke up that morning, I don't know what it was, but I realized that I had no more tomorrows, that tomorrow was the same as today, no matter what, that I wasn't going to come up with any kind of answer. I wasn't going to have the ability to, to get abstinent. I came up, I was screwed and I was physically killing myself slowly. My joints were hurting. I was having all kinds of like physical pain and stuff. And I don't carry a medical diagnosis that would cause that. I was felt that inflammatory process that they talk about happening in my body. And I was like, I am killing myself. And I said on July 25th, I had to do everything in my power to stay abstinent that day. Um, and so just to kind of wrap up my story so I can get more into the chapter, I knew what it took because I'd been here for seven years. I had a food plan from a nutritionist. I didn't have a sponsor, but I had fellows I had kept in contact with for, you know, for all the years. So I wrote out my food myself connected with my higher power, called people all day long and got one day of abstinence. The next day I woke up and I'm like, I got to do the same thing again today. I did that. One of the calls I made was to my sponsor. And when they say in the program, it doesn't matter who your sponsor is. I've had some wonderful sponsors. My sponsor that I have now was my sponsor exactly about a year before that, when I had um, gone to like step nine and then picked up. So my sponsor is the perfect sponsor for me because she has what I want. And so I do what she says, but she was my sponsor a year before that. And that didn't make a difference. I needed that step one experience because that step one experience, me knowing I am screwed. I still know that to this day. I've forgotten some of the ways that I felt when I binge date, but I know that I'm screwed. So that propels me, like they say, to do this work. So the, you know, this chapter talks about the ways that we, the methods we tried, right? You know, I tried them all. I did everything except for gastric bypass surgery because I knew even if someone told me you could do the surgery, you would have no side effects. Um, we'd even, they'll, they'll pay for it, all that stuff. I'd say no, because I knew that it wasn't physical because I'd eaten to the point where I was almost sick. 
And then I just wait 20 minutes and digest and eat some more. So shrinking my stomach through surgical methods wasn't going to change that. And I knew that. I did everything, hypnosis, um, all the pay and weight diets, diet pills. Um, I even tried to mimic the eating of like my seven-year-old niece. I'm like, if I just ate everything that she did in little bits, I would lose weight. Of course, I couldn't do that. So... I had tried every method and I had tried being absent. I tried being in, I was in the rooms. I was, I tried how I tried all the different versions of this program. Um, always in the big book. I was, you know, I hear people say they didn't get absent every years because they didn't do the steps. I was blessed. I did the steps from day one. I came in that still didn't help me. And it was because I didn't have that true step one experience. So I was, um, so how, the people that they talk about in this chapter, which um, which for years I didn't relate to until I got that one, that true step one experience. And then as I read this chapter, I was like, oh, my God, I am just like them. So how I was like Fred and Jim is that, um, you know, Jim, you know, made a beginning. I made a beginning. You know, I started working the steps lots of times. Uh, he had a little disturbance, you know, a little fight with his with his boss. Nothing major. And he did nothing with it. Our program tells us that when we have a disturbance, we have a plan. It's it's not a program. It's my way of living. It's I didn't grow I didn't grow up with a way of living that handled problems for some unknown reason. I missed that lesson. So this is a way of living for me to handle my life. So Jim, he had a disturbance. He didn't do what the steps told him to do, which is a step ten. Give it to his higher power. See his part. Call someone and discuss it and then turn and help somebody else. Nope, he had the insane thought to go look for a car, a, a car, a person he could sell a car to in a bar and put whiskey and milk and think that would happen. And how that related to me was I was on step nine and um, you know exactly almost a year before my first day of abstinence and I went to a food truck event thinking I was gonna find an abstinent food there. And the honesty that we needed in this program was shot because I didn't tell my sponsor I was going because I felt my sponsor would tell me I shouldn't go, which I probably shouldn't have gone. So I committed food that I did, had no intention of eating that day. So that was my first, you know, my first thing that not having a step one experience thought I could get away with. Then I went to this food truck event and I started looking at the trucks and I thought I would be able to find like a salad or something. Not a single salad at a food truck event, I got to tell you. <laughs> um, and then when I saw this, I was like, okay, I am just going to pick the one thing that I think I have the least yes, problem with. Okay. Thank you. I will eat that thing. I will put that whiskey in my milk. I will eat that one thing. And then tomorrow I'll be fine because it's been, you know, 60 days. I'm on step nine. I can handle this. Um and I didn't, you know, the rest of the story, I ate that one thing. And then I was off on a binge and didn't come back for a very long time, stayed in the rooms, but couldn't get a day of abstinence. So that's how I was like, Jim, you know, made a beginning, didn't do what, what the program, you know, what this way of life tells me to do. Um, I'm like Fred, you know, not a cloud in the sky. I, nothing has changed in my life from June 20, from July 24th till July 25th till today. I have the same job, I have the same husband, I have the same children, the same dog, same family, same friends, I live in the same house. Not a cloud in the sky, I have so many blessings. And I will tell you on July 24th, I hate to admit this, I hated all of it. I hated all of it. That was another one of my bottoms. I was like, I have everything I want in life. 
and I hate it. And I couldn't figure out why. But why was because I was strung out on sugar and flour and salt and everything else. Um, so like Fred, you know, he had those insane ideas. They would pop into my mind. You know, his insane idea was having a drink at dinner. Everything was wonderful. My insane ideas, I would say, was I was like I had another voice in my head. It was almost like another personality that told me to binge. And when that voice told me to binge, there was nothing I could do. I would hold on for hours, but there was nothing I could do. I would eventually have to just to shut the voice up. I would have to eat. Um, it wasn't until I was on step 12 this time and my sponsor gave me an assignment that said, you know, how did the spiritual awakening show up in your life, like physically, mentally? It wasn't until that assignment that I went, oh, my God, that voice is gone. I haven't heard that voice because I was like, I was powerless against that voice. And there's no difference in my life, like I said, from July 24th to July 25th. So there's obviously a power outside of me who did this, who on July 25th woke me up and somehow saw that I was raising that white flag. And my higher power, I, I do call God. So God saw me raise that white flag and was like, okay, she's done. She's got it. And I don't ask why anymore, why this program works. Why me? Why am I an addict? I no longer care. I don't intellectualize it because the way that I live my life now is just far superior. So I don't care anymore about the intellectual. I don't care why. Um, I just know that I hold on, I held on to the hope of people that it works. And I hope now I can share to people that it does work because far from the physical um, recovery, which I released over 45 pounds, um, maybe more, but I stopped weighing myself at one time. I weigh the smallest size that I have. I don't even remember being in high school and weighing the size that I did now. And I feel so healthy, but more importantly, I've had some tough things and I go through some tough things. And I now know what the big book says, um, serenity, even in calamity, because those tough things aren't breaking me. I'm not spiraling. I'm not staying up like at late at night crying over things. I'm not obsessing on the phone with my husband all day while he's at work. You got to fix this. You got to fix this child. You got to do this. You got to do that. Nope, it's not that they don't bother me, but it's I have a, a plan of life and how to do them. And I get that serenity, even though everything is kind of crap at times, kind of crap. Um, and that's what I don't want to give up. That's why I do everything I need to do every day willingly, because I don't want to give up the connection that I have with God, that he's I'm hearing him. He was always there. He was always there. My brain, I feel it frees up when I'm overwhelmed, which would be my theme song in life. If I could find a theme song that said overwhelmed, my brain actually freezes up and it stops. So when I'm overwhelmed in life, I'm putting up these blocks that God's right there and I'm not looking for him. I'm not hearing him. I'm just trying to put more of me at it. Work later, yell more, tell this kid one more time what he should be doing. That's, that's what it is, right? So that's how I'm like, I'm like Fred, the insane ideas. How I'm like, um, you know, the jaywalker, I shared the food truck event. Um, my first, when I first came into program, I had five months of abstinence. I worked through the steps. I went to a nutritionist because, um, you know, I hadn't gotten in food plan at that point from a nutritionist. So I went to a nutritionist and this nutritionist, you know, did the best that she could, started to tell me about intuitive eating. And that was the first time I'd heard about it. And I was like, huh, you're telling me I can eat like a muffin anytime I want and I'll be okay. I 
left there going, okay, this is wonderful. I didn't call my sponsor at the time. I didn't call fellows to say, this is, this is what they're talking about because my sponsor, my fellows would have said, that's fine and good, but it doesn't work for people like us. That's I said, nope, I'm going to try. Michelle. Thank you. I'm going to try intuitive eating. So like the jaywalker, I stepped one more time in front of a bus of another eating plan and thought I would be okay. And that exactly where it got me was, you know, six and a half more years of being in the program. So that's how I'm like the jaywalker that this, this talks about. So the last thing that I want to mention um, is the last, last paragraph of the book. And this paragraph is so packed that I think we could probably talk for five hours about it. But the last paragraph is, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in rare, a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Um, the Memorial Day weekend before I got abstinence, uh, abstinent, I got COVID for the first time, and I called my doctor. My doctor said to me, the only health risk you have to get the um, infusion of the antibodies is your obesity. And I was like, she knows I'm obese. I'm not hiding this. What? And I share that with you because I was like, I was putting myself from dying from a disease because of something I could kind of control. And I said, okay, that's it. I'm on another diet. Um, that was May 31st, say, and my absent day is July 25th. So no human power. The threat of a fatal disease didn't do it for me. And I thought for sure that that was going to do it for me someday. So no human power. It's all, you know, a power greater than myself, who I choose to call God, who comes in every day. And when I get the food thought, because I'm still a compulsive overeater, and someone very wise on this line says, we will always have that first thought. It's all the extra thoughts after that, the higher power help us with. That food thought used to be like a tiger that I had to wrestle with and lost every time. Now, if that food thought comes in, I have a program. I have a, oh, what's a way of life? What's going on with me? That that food thought is like a cute little kitten that all I got to do is say, oh, aren't you cute? Now, get away from here. I'm going to do what I need to do to combat you. And I still can't believe, God willing, I know, and, you know, no day is given. and I need to wake up tomorrow. I'll be wake up up untreated addict but I'm about to hit a year of abstinence and the best part is I am still willing to do everything that I need to do I woke up so many days saying I can't live like this I can't live a life of making three calls I can't live a life of working steps can't live a life of eating different I can't go out with people and not share an appetizer not share meals with my girlfriends that's not possible and I will share with you that I went to a food truck event right before this meeting tonight with my family for a fundraiser. Pretty ironic, right? I just thought of that. And you know what? I ate before I went. I went to the event. My family ate. And I laughed and talked with people. And then I left on time to come home because I made this commitment, forgetting that I had the fundraiser. Um, but it's... There's no place I'd rather be right now than to share this, this experience with you guys. And I thank everyone who's walked this journey and walks this journey with me every day. And I think that's my time, right, Meredith, probably? Oh, you had two minutes left, but. Oh, okay. All right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's it. So I think I'll end. I'll end it there. So thank you, everybody. And thank you for asking me here tonight. And I pass. Thank you so much, Michelle, um, such a beautiful share. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. 
as this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raise hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speakers ask a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Um, okay, yeah, so uh, Nancy G, uh, please share. Hi, thank you, Michelle. Oh my God, thank you. I need to listen to this again. And I just texted my, my sponsee and said, I'm sending you this recording because it just blew me away. And when you said the voice disappeared, it was like, oh my God, that's it. I've been trying to figure out what it was that was different. What, wh why was I able all of a sudden out of the blue to start being abstinent? It's because that voice disappeared. And then, like you said, at the end, if the food thought comes back, it's just a little kitten and you can go, okay, go over there, go to your litter box, leave me alone. And it, and it just, I love this chapter. I loved how you described yourself um, next to each of the stories that were going on. And it was just, there was just so much in it that I need to listen to it again, but thank you. Thank you. Love your story. Loved how you shared. Um, very inspirational to me and to my heart. So thank you very much. And I will pass. Thank you so much, Nancy G. And next we have Julie R. Please share. Hi, Julie R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Oh, thank you, Michelle. You know, it's just being able to watch you become a recovered woman. You know, yeah, the food is down, you look marvelous, but to see you transform the way you act, think and behave, it's like, it's just a gift. It's a gift from God. And sorry, I look like this, I just got done working out. But um, it's like, I can relate to Jim and to Fred and all of those people because I've been in the room since 1981 and I just, I have like three and a half years. And um, because, you know, those 10 steps that, 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 you know, Jim and Fred didn't do, I didn't do those either. I was listening to everybody else's and I was going backwards through the steps faster than I went forward. And, and it's like, but you know, where am I today? It's like, you know, we all have things happen to us in our life. I mean, not good things, death, sickness, um, just the world, you name it. Uh, but there's nothing in this world that can make me eat. The only thing that makes me eat is when I do not trust my higher power. I do not turn to my creator. When I don't realize that I am that compulsive overeater and I'll always be that compulsive overeater. You know, once a pickle, always a pickle. But it's the freedom. It's, you know, I go camping. I make binge foods for my husband. He doesn't have this disease. I don't have to battle because I'll never win a battle. If I start to battle with food, I'm screwed. That means I'm way past um the point of no return so if there's any newcomers on the line you know i mean if michelle didn't give you hope i don't know what could right because we are the real deal we we we've done things with food that would shock our spouses our our kids we are the way we think and it's like today i don't have to do that today i get to live and i get to thrive through pain you know i that's like you know oh wait is a lifesaver. So anyway, with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Julie. And Meredith, uh, you're next. Please share. Hey, guys. Um, Meredith, recovered compulsive overeater in Nashville. Um, Michelle, that was so great. Um, <laughs> it, it strikes me that um, I'm just trying to think of all the things that have been told to me that pissed me off. <laughs> and it turns out they're always true. And that is, I mean, I can laugh about it now. Thankfully, I could not laugh at that stuff before. And um, I mean, the the part where you were talking about <laughs> like a way to deal with your life, you're like, let me yell some more. Let me tell my kid he's doing it wrong one more time. Like, that is insane. Like, we, you know, you could say that, I don't know, in any other context. And I think everyone would agree that that is insane. But that makes sense to us in our disease. I mean, that makes sense to me. That made sense to me. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it takes what it takes. And yes, I'm so glad we have... Um, I told my therapist, it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm taking the garbage out every day. Like it's not, it's not building up anymore. So, um, thank you. Love you. Mm, love you, Meredith. Um, we all love you. I, I, I can say confidently. Um, <laughs> next, uh, we have Jan C please share. Wow. I'm just so glad I'm here today. Oh, Wow, I just have lots I would like to share. First of all, thank you. That was so inspiring. I love the way you told your own jaywalking story and your whiskey in the milk story. And I'm going to look at my life now. It's inspired me to look at my, ooh, I don't want to look at my jaywalking and whiskey in the milk stories, but I'm going to look at those and see what they are for me. I'm here because I really need to refine my program and do it differently. I talked to my sponsor this morning and I told her I will start now. I've been programming many years and I've been very sloppy with my eating recently and I can blame all kinds of life experiences. But the truth is, I don't want to be willing right now. I want to, you know, somebody just shared about uh, making non-abstinent food for the hubby and not getting into it at all. Well, my hubby has a particular non-abstinent food. Every single day I get to get him from the freezer. And why can't he do it himself? Well, I suppose he could. He's, he's in hospice and really, really laid up for the most part. But there I am and have tried to justify that that food would be okay for me. You guys, it isn't. So I made a commitment to my sponsor this morning that what I'm going to start with today is write down every single thing I eat, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, and record it, take a picture of it, send it to her in the morning. I didn't make a commitment to weigh and measure and all that. I got to start with baby steps and be willing, willing, and really be reading the big book. And uh, I'm going to come back. I I, I can feel I, I like the flavor of this meeting, welcoming, uh, gut level honest. So that's enough out of me. Thank you for letting me be here. Thank you so much for coming, Jan, and for doing service. Um, we're glad you're here. 
Um, next, we have Betty S. Please share. Oh, hi, everybody. I'm Betty S., a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Michelle. What a great share. You know, I could relate so much to your story. Um, the progression of the disease is incredible. I never dreamed the extent that my disease would go that it did. Uh, before I came back a year and a half ago, by the grace of God, <clears throat> um, I was in a three-year relapse and I too, um, my disease got to all-night binging and that was just torture, just pure torture. Um, and and I, I had very much the similar experiences you did, Michelle, where, you know, I, I, I woke up during the night one night and situation happened and I felt like a power greater than myself said, okay, are you done? Have you had enough torture? You know, are you miserable enough yet? And yes, my answer was yes. So, but what I had to do was I had to live and I still do live with the set aside prayer. And, and the reason being is that came into the program many, many moons ago and I had to set aside everything I thought I knew because it never worked because I thought I knew everything. And so with this, with this using, working the steps with the set aside prayer, asking God to show me what it, the truth, show me the truth in my day, show me the truth in my mind and my life and my disease and, and not go back on my old ideas to recognize when it's an old belief, an old idea and move forward. And that's, what's really helped me a lot uh, with, help from a lot of other people and a higher power in the steps. Um, I, I couldn't, I never could. I tried, I couldn't do it by myself and I couldn't do it, you know, tried to even sponsor myself. I think most of some of the time and that didn't work either. So now to hear recovery to, uh, you know, my fellow sharing your recovery, um, experiencing recovery, it's a miracle. And I, I, my life has changed immensely. I choose for today not to go back to that by the grace of God. And it's it's not my doing anymore. It's it's all in my higher power's hands completely. Um, so thank you everybody for sharing. Thank you for being here for your fellowship and for your service. And I'm grateful, grateful for all of you. Well, thank you, Betty. Grateful for you. Um, next we have Lindsay W. Please share. Hi, I'm Lindsay, a compulsive overreader. Um, thank you so much, Michelle. That was that was a really, really beautiful, powerful share, and um, just such a reminder of the miracles of this program. And um, I was at a convention recently where someone said, you know, that the word miracles thrown around so much it almost loses its impact, you know. But then I thought, there's really just no other way to describe this, you know, like when I look at my life and lives of others that share like this, it's just like, what else am I supposed to say? Like, what other word can I use? Right. And it really is it's so powerful. So, um, I love, I really, really love this chapter. Um, it might be my favorite also. And, um, you know, especially these first couple of paragraphs, like they really speak to where I was for so many years, you know, I absolutely didn't want to think I was bodily and mentally different from other people. And I, you know, I did, I mean, I, I pursued this illusion into the gates of insanity and into the gates of death. And then it says, you know, 
all right, we, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. We were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people are presently maybe has to be smashed. And like, man, I mean, I fought it so hard. I was like, no, like I want to, I want to just be like everyone else. I want to be able to do what everyone else does. And then I would come back around and be like, okay, I've hit 300 pounds. Now I'm really desperate. I promise I'm going to do the work. And then it was like a couple of days later, it was out again. Cause I wanted to go out to the happy hours with the people and live the like 30 something cool single girl life in the big city. And it was just like, that's not my reality. And so it's like, it like not a minute sooner than I really just came to that conclusion, which I do think was a gift was like, just a, like a divine gift, right. Of being able to say, Oh, okay. Got it. Like I'm I'm just not like other people. I'm different. And like, I had to concede that to my innermost self. And the cool thing is, oh, did y'all lose me? Wait. Oh, okay. That's weird. I just got a weird um, notice. Okay. Anyway, um, the, the, the cool thing is now that like, so that was a gift. And then the cool thing is that now, like I, I recognize it. And so every day I wake up and it's like, you know, I asked God to remind me I'm powerless over food. And, um, and, and then it just like works. Like I know I'm different than other people. Like I don't even question that anymore. And that's, that's a miracle. Um, but you know what I, what I wanted to share, I really needed a meeting today. Um, so today I found out that I lost my job and, um, that's time, Lindsay. Oh. oh man. Okay. But anyways, but I didn't eat over it. I'm still sober and I'm going to go to bed sober. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lindsay. Um, next we have a uh, Melissa G. I know it's funny. I want to like pass my time to Lindsay. Like you could take my time. <laughs> um, anyway, Michelle, what a treat to sign on and see you were sharing. Um, you were actually my first sponsee <laughs> after I had gone through the steps the first time. And so just what a treat. I'm now back on step 12 after my renewal period. And I just was looking at my app and I was like, wow, 60 days tomorrow. And, and that is not me. That is not me because when it was me, I was, I was, um, binging in a park by myself. And so, um, the step one aspect you just shared, so clearly, you know, of the powerlessness. And then when you would say, people would say to you, oh, I don't think you really took step one. It's like, I don't want to hear that. I've, I, I'm powerless. Like I've taken that, but I think it's also, um, which my sponsor keeps telling me is the set aside prayers, the set aside everything I think I know for, you know, a new experience and this time going around again for the new experience. And, um, it was just really, really enjoyable to hear you share. And so a question I have for you is if you could just share a little bit about maybe like your nightly review or or something throughout the day, how you stay in close contact with your God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. So um, I I do a lot of different things. So right now I am setting my um, timer for like, every hour and I have like the set aside prayer 
that um that I'm doing because I'm doing like kind of like another deep dive into the steps and in another program. And um every couple of hours I take uh my spiritual temperature, I guess. I have somebody else kind of shared with me that they did. So I started to do that. Um because my step 10 practice wasn't thorough enough like for me, it didn't seem I wasn't doing them. So like every couple of hours I'm like, and usually it's when I go to the bathroom at work because usually, you know, um 52 year old female who's had three kids. I go to the bathroom probably every couple hours. So I stop and it's like, if, if there wasn't a resentment that came up or something like that, I'd stop. I'd be like, okay, how was I the last couple of hours? Is there a disturbance? Um, and many times throughout the day, I am overwhelmed, especially my, my job is kind of high pressured a little bit. And, um, for me anyways, it might not be high pressured for other people, but I stop and say, like, just like the 11th step says, when um, when in doubt, we turn and ask for an intuitive thought. Um, so many times I do that and I'm like, okay, God, I don't even know the next thing to do. Please give me a thought. And, um, and it always comes. Like, that's the other thing. Like, I trust now. It's like I've had my trust built up. I trust that it's going to come. And if it doesn't come, if nothing comes, then I know I'm not supposed to do or say anything. And that comes up a lot with my kids. If I have an issue that I think I need to, like my son's done, you know, one of my sons has done something that I think I, I need to talk to them about. I'm like, God, what, what do I say? And if nothing comes to me, I say nothing. And that's usually the best thing. It turns out to be the best thing because the situation works itself out or something like that. And I didn't cause a harm by causing an argument. Um. There's another thing that I say, like if I'm trying to decide, because sometimes I'm like, oh, do I take a lunch hour or do I work through my lunch? Do I take the dog for a walk? Or, and I say, God, you know, bless me taking the dog for a walk or block me taking the dog for a walk. Increase my desire or decrease my desire. And that's like, and then I say, wait, and that's how I make a lot of my decisions and the answer comes. And then, you know, at night I do my nightly review and kind of look over my day naturally, um, like we all do. And then the next day, like after my nightly review, when I share it with my sponsor and some fellows, um, the next morning I look back at that and I um, kind of see what I need to kind of maybe, I ask God to give me the power to do different what I put on there that I need to do different. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of how I stay connected. I literally sometimes envision myself having a cup of coffee with God and just telling him like, geez, this is what's going on at this moment. Um, so yeah. It's time. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much um, for the question. And thank you so much for the, um, for the answer, Michelle. We will um, now stop the recording for unrecorded shares. <laughs>